All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite sin. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Good evening, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel Devana. And I'm David Uyoa, and with me, as usual, with us as usual, is our number one fan, uh, Frank Kowalski. What's going on, Kowalski? He says, you got this. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so... Uh, we are here on a very special 50th anniversary episode. Uh, and by 50th anniversary, I just mean it's the 50th episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so for those of you who have been listening from the very beginning, you might be wondering, are we doing only 10 episodes a year? And we are not. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, Shiver goes all the way back to 2017. And uh, some buddies of mine, Jeff and Neri, uh, we were doing a, a podcast called Mount Geekmore and um, coming to know Jeff a little better, realizing that he was also a big horror head. I asked him if he wanted to do a podcast and he said, yeah. And I said, hey, Neri, what about you? And he said, uh, he said, no, I'm not into horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I said, come on, man. And he said, okay, yeah, sure. And so we uh, we did maybe uh, maybe two years of Shiver that way. And, uh, and, and it was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, we did uh, we did a lot of movies. You can go back and hear a lot of those early uh, those early episodes. We experimented with a lot of different things. We did everything from um, straight views like we do now to more uh mystery science theater 3000 style episodes um i'm a teacher so i'm off in the summer and uh nary's a comedian so uh when when he was home i was uh i was at his place and we were watching movies that he had never seen before and getting his his genuine reaction to movies like halloween and halloween 2 we do them just as a double feature or uh on like fourth of july weekend I'd say, hey, let's let's do uh, let's do Return of the Living Dead, and nice. so he'd watch movies like this for the first time, and and so you you can listen to these genuine reactions that he's having, and and I I, I think that what was established in those first couple of years was really great. We ended up taking a hiatus, a uh, number of different reasons. Primarily, I had some stuff I had to take care of. Got a master's degree focused on you know bettering myself and and all that stuff and uh as i got to know daniel better doing mount geek more um come to find out that you you actually enjoyed shiver yes i i did um i i start i would um i would listen to shiver just you know like uh, occasionally and I, I did like the variety of, of how you guys did things. And I just came to love that uh, that so often it was not only that I really like your takes on movies, but I really uh, I enjoyed that aspect of that original three 
you guys had, you know, it's like Neri, the guy who was scared, Jeff, the guy who likes really like campy stuff like that. Yes. That's like his milieu, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so, and so it like, it was always really funny to have a really scary one and then have Neri just be terrified of everything or to have a really campy one. And you like try to take this really serious look at it. So uh, th- there was, there was a lot of fun to be had in those. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that came off that way. So, um, so Daniel approached me and he said, Hey, why don't we get shiver back up and running? And, and I thought it was a fantastic idea. Um, I had finished that master's degree and I had a little bit more time and I was like, okay, let's, let, let's do this. So we got shiver up and running and, and, and I think we did it in, in fantastic style. Uh, we started with, uh, the fear street, trilogy Trilogy. yeah uh which was brought to my attention by jeff um and uh, he's he's a big fan of those books uh we've had nary and jeff on occasionally uh you know to try to get the band back together as it were um and and then we've we've had many more guests this time around than we ever did before uh guys like ralph diaz guys like andrew chacon um guys like ish from the better let me tell mm-hmm. you podcast um have we had anyone else on uh we have my buddy Seth oh, key came on yeah. and did um and did uh, uh evil dead with us evil dead yeah we had my sister on for mm-hmm. uh uh for for final girls so we've we, we've had a nice variety of guests here and i hope to keep that going down the road so um i i've really enjoyed doing this uh particularly this iteration of the show with you daniel i've i've really enjoyed because i i feel like you get me <laughs> yeah and, fair enough. and i'm i'm a weird dude so i i don't think it's many people that that get me so um so i, I have a question to you uh before we get to our series review not movie review but series right. review um do you have a favorite episode from the ones that we've done so far is there one that stands out like man i was really firing on all cylinders that day so um i i've got overall in total uh, now so we're this episode 50 i went back and checked fear street was 19 so Mm -hmm. um so so i've been you know i've been doing this with you for a little while now in total i still think that the the pinnacle of us kind of both banging on both cylinders and like finding just some great levels to a movie because it was a wonderful movie to do that with was Crimson Peak. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it was just a movie where we both hit a really good stride in kind of breaking it down and finding so much in it. Um, a, a couple, a couple of moments uh, I went back and listened uh, when we did hereditary, my, uh, my occult ranting when um <laughs> and there's somebody talking about my wallpaper again. Seth Key saying the scariest thing I've seen here is guest. about his wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Th- my, thanks, my wallpaper. Being on Seth. I'm the only one who loves anymore. But uh, when we did Hereditary, that is not one true. Of the- I, I I have yet to comment on this wallpaper, uh, and it's because I'm afraid of what everyone's going to say about me. But I actually like this wallpaper. Yeah. Um, but when we did hereditary is one of the first times that like, I really got to like flex my, my, like my amateur occult knowledge. And, um, it's funny, like I went back and listened to it the other day and I mean, it really is just the ramblings of a madman, but there was some really good stuff in there. I was, I was really, I was really proud of that. Um, one moment that, that, that'll, that always kind of sticks out to me is when we did the new candy man. And it's because, I was terrified 
when we got ready to record that episode because we had kind of, you know, we don't, we don't discuss like at length what we're going to talk about, but we had discussed long enough that I knew you were not a fan. And I was like, <laughs> Oh no. I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. Cause I did enjoy it. And I recommended it. I had like all this weird anxiety of you, like being upset that I recommended a movie you didn't like or how it was going to come across <laughs> if we were going to clash and stuff. But then when it went off, like kind of seamlessly and we were both able to see each other's points, I was like, Okay, so this can work like no matter what. So that one, that one really stuck out for me, and I think that that I think that being comfortable in that made our deep house episode uh, recently even better because yeah. it was one we didn't agree on, but I wasn't as nervous, and so I was able to make more salient points. That's um, yeah that 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 was a that was a good one because um, I feel like uh, so often on on podcasts you either find that your your hosts agree in every respect or um it's uh it's dissent in every respect right. uh there's there's rarely something where it's like uh okay uh, yeah i kind of like that but also no and and for this reason right um i i feel like we don't necessarily like all the same things, although I do think that there is a lot of crossover between you and yes. I. But uh, but I do think that when we disagree, we end up having some really good conversation on yeah. that. And that's that that's something that that I do enjoy. And and that one in particular, I think, uh Candyman more than um uh we need to do something or we have to do something. Yes. Um I, I I think that that was a good one because I didn't know how how you were gonna take my my shit on the movie that you you had right. uh, you had just praised yeah uh, like and yeah and that like I said there was there was like this whole day of like you being like oh man we're gonna be different and I was like oh shit <laughs> and so I'm glad to know you were kind of going through the same thing so cheers yeah 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 I I had no idea how you were gonna take that so yeah. um so that that was that was nice I think. Um, I too think that Crimson Peak is, uh, sort of the, kind of that paramount of, of our, um, I, I think it's smart. It's a very smart episode. Yes. We, we tear that movie apart. If you wouldn't know any better, you'd think that we were really intelligent dudes. And, uh, <laughs> I uh, whiskey and coffee all over his microphone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm. I'm not sure that we are, um, <laughs> but we certainly sounded that way in that episode. I think. Um, and uh, that one of my favorite things to do is, is to to just do uh, critical and literary analysis on just about anything. And right. and and uh, and I went to town there, and so did you, and and we had a fantastic time there. Um, honestly, one of my favorite episodes was Idle Hands. Oh man, um, yeah, that, yeah, because that was... I, I, I mean, it just caught me so by surprise, um, <laughs> and and I, I had such a fantastic time, and that was, I think, one of the very first episodes you had recommended that um, wasn't like a hey, this is popular, so we should do this, right? Right, like like Candyman was. Um, like, hey, this thing just came out, so let's let's do Candyman. So it made sense, right? That that was the first time where I think you were kind of um, like assuming your because I had thought of you as co-host for a long time, but I right. think you you were starting to feel that out, and you were like, oh yeah, 
yeah, let's let's do idle hands, man. And 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 it worked out fantastically. And 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 I think that you know what, um, the the sort of dynamic that was forged in that episode has informed a lot of what has come since. And yeah. um, and 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 I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Mandy was also a great episode too. And it Mandy was it was. What- Mandy it was, was a it, fun episode. Such a yeah, and it was it was it, it was really... it, it, right because it's a bizarre movie. You yeah. don't know what the fuck to say. You don't know how anyone is going to react to that. Yeah, movie. that yeah um, that that was an interesting. Like that is that's probably like I, I do here. Like this is this is what my my page normally looks like. Right, I do like extensive notes as I watch these movies and as I think of talking points. Mandy was one of the first. I had like one sentence on the paper and I think it just said Nick Cage with a question mark. And I was like, <laughs> Guess we're shooting from the hip on this one. <laughs> yeah. And it was really cool to have a uh, like an actual filmmaker on that episode, to have yeah. uh, Ralph Diaz Wagner on that episode. So uh so that was that was cool. Uh and and I had a really time on that too. And then of course, you know, it's it's fucking Nick Cage, you know. So how, yeah. how can you not have a fantastic time wa- watching? I've heard very good Nick things Cage. about the unbearable crushing weight of greatness or whatever his new one where he played yeah. a character named nick cage it's i don't know it's it's uh it's something in spanish um, it's it's definitely it's definitely spanish yeah 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 um um uh, cuban here so i can say that it's fine um <laughs> uh yeah it's something in spanish that that guy he, he's a spanish um <laughs> he's a spanish <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh enough about the past right it, it's 50 episodes it's behind us let's look towards the future right let's and do we've, it we've we've got i think one of the greatest horror series that you've never heard of before yes that is that is putting it remarkably well we have got <laughs> five movies here and we are talking the phantasm franchise this is one of those ones that I feel like outside of like, you know, your cult following and your hardcore horror people that people maybe hear that word or see tall man. And they're like, Oh, I know that's like a scary movie thing, but that's really as far as it goes. But what we have done is we've spent the last couple of weeks deep diving all five of them. <laughs> I have spent the last week making balls jokes on our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> And now we're going to talk. So here's what we're going to do. I know if you if you listen to the show on a regular basis, you're used to us kind of having talking points about each movie. What we're going to do is we're just going to take each movie itself and turn it into a talking point. So we're going to open up in 1979 when the franchise kicks off with the movie Phantasm, which we were fortunate enough, thanks to Dave, to have an amazing Bad Robot, Bad Robot remaster of. Mm-hmm. It looked incredible. If you've never seen this, there, there is, there is a lot to be said for how good that remaster is. I mean, it looked incredible. And so you go to watch this movie, go in blind. If you have not seen Phantasm and and you're watching us right now, we really appreciate you, and I want you to hang around. But also, this movie should be experienced. But mm-hmm. if you're, you know, so you start this movie and immediately, and just nothing makes sense. And I'd love to say that by the end of the movie, things make sense, but they don't. And that's okay because it ends up being just 
a really original and bizarre idea for a film. So what do you think about, let's start off with the first one, Dave. What do you got for Phantasm in 1979? Um, I first saw Phantasm uh, probably close to 10 years ago. Um, and it was it was one of those things where I just like, you know, you always hear about Phantasm. Uh, but I think very few people actually have seen Phantasm. Right. Um, you know, because it is such a such a cult movie. I mean, it's definitely the uh, the monster within the um, the the series, you know. Yes. Uh, if if anyone has seen any of them, it's usually that one. And I it's probably my favorite one. And I say probably because there's another one that's it's, you know, kind of fights for that number one. Spot. Right. Um, the dreamlike quality in that movie, I think, is close to unrivaled. Um, yeah. I can't remember. Uh, fairly recently, we covered another movie where I talked about uh, the dreamlike quality in the movie. And I can't remember exactly which one it was. But I remember saying, like, yeah, you know, the, there's there's this this quality that the movie has, and invasion um, of the body snatchers, invasion of the body snatchers, that's the one, yeah. And um, this has that same dream like quality, but like kicked up like to eleven, right? It's, uh, and and the the disorientation that you have as the viewer is, um, I think intended it's it's not poor editing in fact i think it's incredible editing that this movie has um the way that you're never quite certain what was dream what was real uh the way that one scene turns into voiceover they kind of just like mesh together right is astounding and it's disorient dis disorienting the first time you see it um and this is the first time you've seen all of them right it's the first time i've seen all of them i had seen the first three and when we get to number three i i okay. became a uh, like like uh I, I, but yeah i hadn't seen four and five so it's the first time i've seen all five but i had seen one i had seen the first three before okay so um yeah if, if you if you have seen if if you've seen the movie before i think you start to get it a yeah. little more. The more you watch it, the more it makes sense. Um, you know, very similar to Hereditary. Um, you know, it, it kind of uh, begs to be watched more and more. But um, it's it's also, I think, the scariest one in the series, and and truthfully, one of the few horror movies that actually scares me. Right. Um. Uh. Like like down down to my bones. This uh this idea of approaching grief because that's really what this movie's about right uh dealing with the loss of of those close to you uh similar to hereditary right uh but done in an entirely different way right uh where is it that the dead go yeah um uh the tall man he doesn't say it in this movie but he does say it in one of the later movies i think it's part four uh where he talks about your idea of heaven yeah, uh, he says, you know, you you don't go to heaven, you come to me. And uh, who is this mortician, the guy that dresses in black, that is like hidden away? He's in the shadows. He's doing all of these 
really bizarre things like the embalming process is something that is like really bizarre and it's it's really not very different to what like ancient egyptians were doing so right. like the, the preservation of our dead has not really advanced with science it's 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 a little crazy and so we when you start thinking about this it's um it almost seems not really like medicine, not really like science. It's almost like a fantasy thing in real life, right? And in fact, the, the whole idea of, of a funeral home and, and a viewing, right? Looking at someone in a casket. I hate viewings. Um, I hate I, viewings. I absolutely hate viewings. And you, you, you go because you are honoring the the life of the person who's yes. there in, in the way that they have chosen to be honored. I can tell you, I don't want a viewing. Same. Uh, I don't even want to be buried. I want to be cremated. Also same. Yeah. Uh, for uh, Wait, I, I, I wonder if it's the same reason as you. Uh, do you, do you have like a, a uh, my, logical reason? Um, <laughs> my newest reason, um, is I saw a tweet where somebody mentioned getting your ashes scattered in the haunted mansion at Disney world. And that's kind of a new life goal. Um, <laughs> that, that, it's a problem. It's a is problem. Really? There. They, they, they stop people all the time and they have to clear oh, the, the ride. So your joke. ashes just get thrown away. Oh, whack. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, yeah. <laughs> I just, um, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just not a, like, like, I'm not a fan of this idea of just like this vessel just kind of sitting there and and decomposing. I don't really, you know, mm -hmm. buy. I get like you go back to the earth. I just, I'm just not a fan of all that, right? Like when 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 the lights shut off, all of this is done. Like I just, I just don't, I don't need it to just kind of be hanging around. Like I don't need mm -hmm. people staring at just my dead face being like, Oh, he was so great. No, like when, when, when the mind, when my mind's done like this, this, I don't need this to exist anymore either. So I'm, I'm just, like I said, lights go off. I'm just ready for it all to be done. I kind of feel the same way. I feel like what, whatever, whatever I am exists in the legacy that I have left, not in my physical person. Uh, so like, don't, don't bury me in my nicest suit and my nicest watch and put my nicest guitar in the casket. Uh, right. it's a waste of a nice suit and a nice watch and a, and a nice guitar. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and it's a waste of a fucking casket. Uh, yeah. you know, um, I, I, if, if this were the old West and we were talking about like, you know, just wooden caskets, uh, maybe. You know, um, but <laughs> but this a, idea is a dope aesthetic to those. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there kind of was, you know, but but this idea that like like you said, you know, uh, returning to the earth, you're not going to return to the earth in your metal fucking box. Right. It's the not medically it, sealed. Yes. <laughs> so this this idea that you are going back to Mother Earth, I, I, I don't I don't buy it. Also, if uh, in the remote chance that there is a zombie apocalypse. I do not Correct. want to be one of the walking dead. Fair it's enough. not some, it's not something I want to be. Uh, you can't reanimate um, ashes. Yep. That also, is, I, 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 I don't want my family to feel compelled to visit me at a, uh, at a cemetery, which right. is, which is something that I've always hated doing. 
and uh, and I I, th- I think it's unfair to to yeah. tether yourself to this rotting corpse. Yeah, no, I like I said, I'm I'm 100 plus. Uh, you know, just I I do I do love the idea of of you know as ashes. Like if I'm gonna return to the earth, then don't make me be stuck in one place. Like if there's anything mm-hmm. to tell for me on earth it's just being stuck in one place for ridiculously long periods of time quarantine i was losing my mind like we were recording two geek mores a week i was doing trivia just anything to where like (laughs) i could pretend that this was a window right and so yeah like i just go up on a mountain and throw it up in the wind and then i'll land somewhere cool and i'll be all over you know so i'm I'm down for that (laughs) frank kowalski saying elon musk is charging 2.5k to shoot your ashes into space sounds like a good deal to me you know what honestly when you look at funeral costs 2.5k shit shot into space ain't bad at all (laughs) like caskets caskets ain't cheap no they're Um, not so so when i was so when i was watching this one um i'm i'm probably about the same as you honestly it was probably it it, it was i was probably about 15 so years ago that i saw this for Mm -hmm. the first time and um, then it was just kind of like a, a, you know, just a watching thing. But, you know, watching it now and, and trying to look for stuff uh, did make it more enjoyable, uh, did make it scarier. A couple of things that I just really love about this one. One, not enough can be said, not just for this movie, but, you know, this one being the, the one that we're talking about now. But God, man, when they made scary movies. Um, in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of focus put into not just using the right like sound effects for jump scares, but for creating a score that was iconic of your movie. Oh, man. And man this one's got it. It does. It's so good. And it's so versatile. Like it. So it just shows up through all five just in, and mm-hmm. you can always you can always tell it's there. Just the, the scoring for this movie was geniusly done. I love it. I love the way the music is um, in this movie. I uh, I really love that they it's they really uh, they they edge you. Right. Like you don't get any really big, <laughs> grotesque type scares until act three when they're in there. And then you finally get the first time that the silver ball the attacks. And, the, oh, the, and yeah, like in the, the mount, the fountain of blood shoots out of the, the dude's head. What but an they, incredible special effect, man. So good. But like they 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 make you wait on that stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, like they it open you just you're just constantly being reminded of how terrifying this tall man, Angus Angus Scrim is. Not and enough you're, to be said about him. And you're just you you're just you're just occasionally getting little pieces and they don't always fit together and that makes it even scarier. Uh, they they did just so many great things with this. There's a really awesome special effect where he looks at the old photo and it like comes to life and you see yeah. that, you know, he's been the undertaker for a long time. Uh, and it's just, they did a lot of the, the, the dwarf things, mm-hmm. you know, they wait a while. They tease them. They tease them. They tease them. You hear them scratching. You kind of see a brown cloak disappear behind a tombstone, but they make you wait before you finally see them. You know, there's Their no howl or growl or yes. whatever it is. Yeah. You, you almost don't even know if it's a, like an animal, like a dog or something. Yes. And when you finally see them. Oh yeah. They just, and I also love um, this, this movie. There, there was a meme on our Instagram where I put something up about, uh, it was like the Ariana Grande looking um, at, yes. at, at, <laughs> at, 
and it's like uh, us and it's like it's staring at movies with um in um in uh, like inconceivable plots and great practical effects like that's this right like yeah. even when you have all the pieces you're like i love this i don't know why i'm still not 100% sure what i just saw but they did <laughs> such a great job with it like it's so disjointed like you were saying that that weird dream feel all of which seems to be on purpose that um, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. Like it was so good to go back and watch this one and see how this, you know, just kind of on its surface is almost an incomprehensible mess. Like yeah. I don't, I don't want to know what the storyboarding for this thing looked like. It had to be a nightmare, but Don, what's the name? Don, Don, Cos Don Coscarelli. Don Coscarelli. Like he obviously knew what he wanted to do and that shines as you watch this movie. One thing that, uh, that I didn't, I didn't notice when I saw it a long time ago, mainly because I hadn't read kind of what it pulls from, but now it's even fresher in my mind is there's a, a scene in this movie where he goes to visit a psychic <laughs> and her granddaughter. And they obviously have some sort of powers, right? So again, dreamlike yeah. quality, because to this point, yeah, you've seen tall man lift up a casket by himself, but it's always through the perspective of young Mike. So you don't know how much mm -hmm. of it is kind of in his mind, but she like taps the table and this box appears, right? And she's like, put your hand in there. He's like, ah, it hurts. And she's like, and she literally says, fear is the killer. And I was like, oh my God, that's straight from Dune, which, you know, is even more memorable because it just happened. But then- in what I am choosing to believe was 100% on purpose to prove that this was homage, not ripoff. The very next scene, where does Jody go? A bar called the Dunes Cantina. Yeah. And right. that was so smart because it would be so easy to just have that scene and then just have everybody say that you were ripping off an iconic line from Dune. But to put the, to name that bar Dunes Cantina was this really great thing to be like, no, 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 not ripping off homage. This is a send up yeah. to, um, to Dune. And so I loved that. Like, because my first thought was, ah, this is a blatant ripoff. Then when I saw that, I was like, nope, he knew exactly what he was doing. And so many little things like that really sell this idea of while it feels just thrown together and just cobbled from pieces, it's all done that way on purpose. Um, yeah, it's that it's that sort of uh, like winking at the audience. Yeah, that um, that Coscarelli does a lot because uh, he does it a lot in what is probably his most famous movie, uh, The Beastmaster. Yep. Uh, there's there's a lot of that, you know, throwback to, you know, the the sword and sandal movies of the of the the, the 50s and the 60s. Um, I. Uh, we we touched upon briefly the the spheres, yes. And um, for me, as as scary as the uh, the dwarves are, uh, my son referred to them as gremlins. He called them gremlins the whole time. Fair. He watched he watched this entire franchise with me. Um, <laughs> nice. And uh, I I think he's now officially a uh, a fan, PH fan, a um, PH fan right? Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, he's uh, he's actually taking his uh, he's like re skinning Minecraft uh, people. <laughs> uh, so like he turned the Enderman into the Tall Man. Nice. And uh, yeah, I'm like, you know what, man? Like I fucking hit it out of the park with you. <laughs> I don't know what I did. 
but you're you're just so fucking cool. So um he um even more than the dwarves, those fears I think are just so damn scary. And the fact that we only get to see him twice in this movie. Yeah. Like the the lasting impact of those silver spheres is incredible because we really only get to see what they do once. Right. Yes. Um and and in that one instance, I think maybe fifty percent of the scare of the movie is right there. Yep, it's it's absolutely incredible. That's that that shit's like nightmare fuel. Yes, and um, uh, because that's the sort of shit that you dream about these um these crazy uh things that are impossible. Like that is an impossible machine. Right. And and yet yet you believe it when you see it. You're like, that's the kind of shit that chases me in my dreams. And um, the fact that that was an effect that was done uh, practically in front of the camera is crazy for the budget that they had. Like, I, I think they had like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make this movie. Right. And and yet all the effects are, I think, still pretty memorable. I don't think there's any that don't hold up. There are some that hold up better than others, but right. um, but I don't think there's any effects where I'm like, nah, nah, I don't believe that. Uh, I, I think I think it's all pretty good. Like you know when he chops the fingers off, that those aren't yeah. real fingers. But then there's also this sense of, well, is the tall man a person, and would yeah. his fingers look that way, right? Um, there's. Um, Interestingly, you mentioned Bad Robot at um, at the top of the discussion for this movie. And J.J. Um, Abrams is apparently a huge uh, Phantasm fan. And right. when he had finished making um, Star Wars Episode Seven, he approached Don yeah, Coscarelli. Yeah, you money. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he had that fuck you money. And he approached Don Coscarelli and he said, hey, listen, I don't know if you know, but I've got this movie I just made. It's called Star Wars, right? And um, there's a character in there called Phasma. And she was inspired by your movie, Phantasm. Her, like, chrome armor, the moment mm -hmm. he saw it, he was like, that reminds me of those flying silver spheres from Phantasm. And so I don't know if it was a... Uh, like, hey, let me let, let me throw it back to where I got this from sort of thing. But he said, let's let's remaster this thing. And and he and and Coscarelli worked on it for like a year. And, wow. and that's that's why we have this incredible like 4K remaster of of the movie. And, and it really does. You you hit the nail on the head. It, it looks so damn good. It looks better than the big budget Universal Studios part two. Yeah, it really does. Um, you you know, you're talking about the silver spheres, man. And there's whenever you're making any sort of franchise for anything, right? You you've got to find a way to put your stamp on it. And there mm -hmm. is such an insane amount of genius in the simplicity of creating the silver spheres, uh, mm -hmm. and just make like like obviously tall man, very iconic. Uh, and mm -hmm. but man, there's just 
it's such a simple idea that that I don't think he can be said better than you did that because it's so unnatural, you associate it with a nightmare. And it, you're like, even before you see it, like stab into someone's head and drill in just the idea of these things swooping at you as they're like dodging them in what's already a creepy environment anyway, in this, uh, in this mortuary, it's, it's so they always, it's not like super, I mean, it's very, very smooth, but there's always like a little, you know, like a consciousness to it in mm -hmm. the way it moves, right? And it, it reacts. It doesn't just stop on a dime, turn around and come back. Like it kind of skids to a halt and stuff. Yeah. So it adds this element of realism to something that is in no way real. And that's little touches like that make them even scarier because it makes you go, ah, God, what, what if, right? Like, <laughs> mm. you know, so, and it's just, and to, to do something so easy, and have it just, I mean, we're eventually going to get to five, but, right. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the silver spheres, like at a point become the franchise, right? Like there's, yeah. there's, there's, there is a turn that we'll get to where suddenly it's like, okay, this is now a movie about the spheres. And mm -hmm. it, that's how huge this one effect was. Um the the other thing that i would say is like the other 50% of the horror of this movie is angus angus grim himself yeah um like he puts on such a terrifying performance which um i found out today on uh, on youtube there's this really great interview that coscarelli and scrim did for university of miami for their film school back in 79 and uh, it was filmed and I guess they used to play it on uh, local TV here. And uh, Scrim talks about the fact that he was for many years a theater actor and he was typically casted as the nice guy. So for him to All do right. this, he was like, I had to put myself in a totally different frame of mind. Um, and he and Coscarelli apparently spoke about this quite a bit. And um, what they decided was that um, in the way that Karloff had been able to muster some sort of like emotion and uh, sympathy for the monster in the Frankenstein movies right. and the way that Lugosi was able to get a sort of like seductiveness into Dracula, what they wanted in the tall man was nothing but pure unadulterated evil they wanted they wanted no other characteristic there so what he draw what he drew upon was simply death he was like i i approach this as this is death incarnate and and when you when you see that it's like fuck that's exactly what this guy is yeah you know he plays that so well every single scene just the the footsteps yeah, the footsteps the on the marble, and before you even see him, it's it's as it's as iconic, I think, to a horror fan as the jangle of the spurs on Clint Eastwood's boots are. Yeah. in a western. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 Jason's breathing, right? It's, yeah, it's it's when he's approaching, and shout out to uh, to Scrim's amazing uh, uh, co actors, co stars, his fucking eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it right here if you're watching yes. live. That dude says as much 
with just his eyebrows as he does with his mouth over five movies. And because, you know, the other thing is, until you get into four and five, his dialogue is very slim. Yeah. He does not say a lot until you get to four and five. Uh, and, he has you know, eight minutes of dialogue. Yeah. It's just, and it's, you know, it's just in like, the whole series. Services are in an hour, you know, it's like, oh, fuck, who is this? You know, and just, but, but he, but that's the thing, like, man, he starts, he starts working that face and those eyebrows. And it's like, this dude wants to kill me. And I still don't know why I'm in hour seven of this series. I still don't know why this guy wants me dead. Um, But you know, you know, he wants you dead. He's just, he was, he's stellar. And and as as he kind of gets more screen time and and a deeper backstory for what it's worth, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. As the movies go on, you're just he's you know he's the constant. There there are a lot of up and downs, but him being awesome is 100 percent the constant through these movies. Absolutely. So uh, because we do have five movies to touch upon, I think I think we should go on to part two now part two was made uh i i believe it was like nine years later eight or nine years later 88 yeah nine years later. yeah and uh universal studios who don coscarelli had a relationship with had i guess seen what phantasm was doing on the the indie circuit and they were like, okay, well, you know, this is this is a movie that's become a, uh, a cult movie. It's made a lot of money with like very little budget. What if we threw only a little bit of money at this thing? Right. Uh, what could you do with that? And I, I think he had three million dollars, which is like the most money he's ever had to make a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's he's like Roger. Cor- he comes from like the Roger Corman school. Of a depression era filmmaker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going to stretch this budget. Hell yes. (laughs) Um, And so, like, he actually had like a budget for this. It wasn't much, but he did have a budget for this one. Um, That came with a caveat, which was that they wanted star power in this movie. And um, he kind of negotiated it down to that he could keep one of the main characters either reggie or mike and uh they told him we don't care which one but pick one and you have to recast that and uh we're gonna give you a list of people to choose from and he chose to keep reggie which i i think was the right idea I, I do too. Like it, it's it's one of those things where on the surface it seems like such a weird idea, but it was the right choice. Yeah, and and this this is the 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 start of that turn in the franchise where Reggie kind of becomes more of the hero. It's it's less about Mike and more about Reggie. Definitely three is where that happens. I think, uh, you know, where where that's cemented, but it starts to happen here. And so we get uh, James LaGrosse from uh, famously from uh, Point Break, right, Uh, who comes in and and replaces the original Mike. And um, what how does this movie play into the series for you? So uh, this one is 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 the one, you know, that, that right now is kind of the front runner 
for my favorite one, oddly enough, like this one is, Same. it's just, it, it's, they, they really, they were, they, they took everything and they, they kind of ramped it up. Right. They were like, all right. So we ended the first one with this idea that it was all just a dream, but then we reminded you that it's not. And so, but then they took that and they just, they just kept, they just kept cranking it. Like, all right, what can we get away with here? What can we get away with here? Who believes who? Um, and so you're, you're immediately kind of thrust into this, by the way, franchise in total, but it starts with this one. I love, I love that for five movies, every one of them starts with a previously on phantasm. I just, I, it's that's that's fun you know and i love that they that they you know they always kind of do it yes and they always kind of do it as as you know reggie kind of giving a recap like okay i know you're wondering how i got here type thing um but they they do such a great job with that and this one this one had um this one had much uh wilder kind of special effects yeah. Then the first one again, though, the kill effects seemingly, were genuinely good. Yes. And, and like, and seemingly all very practical. Um, they, they did, they did such a good job, you know, making the story something that wasn't just about this one town, right? Like now he's mm -hmm. on the move and we've, now we're not just trying to save yes. ourselves. You know, we're trying, we're trying to save the world possibly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they did a lot with that. They started to crank up that winking at the audience factor. Um, there were a couple really fun uh, send-ups in this one. I thought that this one was kind of exactly what a sequel should be. You take what you've established, you you honor that, and you you build upon it. And they did that very, very well. I also, the idea of this movie where the tall man was chasing Mike while Mike was chasing the tall man is such a weird thing. Like if they're because they were both constantly after the other, but because of who the tall man is, like his method of chasing Mike was to keep bringing him closer. And that is such uh just an ingenious, like evil type thing where you just, you stay doing what you're doing, but your end game is for this guy to get to you. So you, you keep pulling him closer. So even though Mike thinks he's accomplishing what he's after by getting closer to the tall man, we eventually learn that tall man has just been getting Mike to play into this. You know, it's that uh, mm -hmm. step into my web said the spider to the fly yeah. type thing. <laughs> and that, that plays out beautifully over the course of this movie. Um, yeah. It really does it, and the um, that connection where now it's um, it's almost like a like a symbiosis. Like the tall man needs Mike for something, right. you know, for something. Uh, just as Mike needs to stop the tall man. You know, it's 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 almost like a. Um, uh like a like a spider-man and uncle ben situation where like uncle ben needs to die for spider-man to exist you know right and uh and there there is no spider-man if uncle ben survives sort of thing you know we're like you know he's he's chasing this idea and without that idea there almost is no mike and uh and i i think that james Legros is a legitimately good actor and i think he gets that uh, he gets that here. And uh, this idea that um, I, he needs to 
not just stop the tall man, but that he needs to save Liz. Right. Right. There's 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 more to it now. It's not just stopping the tall man. It's saving the world. And you do kind of get that like uh, it does seem a little grandiose at first. Right. Uh, but but the the scene where they uh, <laughs> and they don't actually shoplift because they do leave money. Yes. Uh, they do leave the money. Right. And I always wonder where Reggie's getting this money from. <laughs> Reggie's loaded. He never runs he out of money. Ice cream man. And yeah, it apparently <laughs> just pockets full of hundreds at all the not once in any yeah. of these movies that Reggie stop in an ATM, but that dude will sling hundred dollar bills. I don't understand. And he had a really nice looking house before it got yes. blown the fuck up at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Right. Um, <laughs> um, good good humor pays, pays them big bucks, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, that's uh, difference in generation, man. You know, <laughs> you boomers, you could have afforded a, a, a two story, five bedroom home. Off of ice driving an ice cream truck, (laughs) (laughs) and my millennial ass is sitting here in a in a townhome, and uh, I'm lucky to have it. So anyway, anyway, um, I um, I I I said I love what they did with Reggie here, and this idea that Reggie and Mike become. Uh, these these tall man hunters yes. is is to me the the greatest turn that this could have had. I think um, I I've never seen Supernatural. Uh, <laughs> I, I was going to mention that. I know that I would love Supernatural. Uh, Jeff has mentioned Supernatural to me countless times. He's begged me to watch this show. I simply don't have time. Uh, to to commit well, to like seventeen seasons, seasons. Yeah, yeah, you know, or however many seasons there are, I, I I don't have time to commit to that. Uh, however, with what little I know about Supernatural, there is no way that it was not influenced, <laughs> even just you know, by a, a, a tiny bit, by Reggie and Mike and their hunt for the Tall Man. It yeah. is it, it's it's crazy, and you really do start to see the damage that the tall man can do in this movie when they roll into town after town and they all look abandoned. And there's cars that are uh you know just strewn on the side of the street, there's windows that are broken. You really do start to feel like we are nearing an apocalyptic event. And yep. um, and we we will get there at part five. <sighs> But the but the fact and boy do we get there. Oh right? and boy do we. But uh but the fact that from I don't know if Coscarelli had this idea going back to part one, but definitely going back to part two, he has this idea where we are headed towards this apocalypse event, and the tall man is after nothing short of the total annihilation of the human race for the betterment of his own kind right whatever Whatever that that is (laughs) right whatever that may be because we still don't know and the series is over right and i think that 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 mystery adds something i don't think that we need exposition every step of the way yeah there uh part of the reason why raiders of the lost ark is my favorite indiana jones movie is because there is a sense of mystery there we don't know everything about Indiana Jones. And I love Sean Connery. He's great in Holy Grail. 
but did we lose a little bit of that mystery there? Did some of his badassness go away when dad is sitting there slapping him upside the head? Right. Yeah, a little bit did, you know? So that there, a little bit of mystery is okay. And, and, and I think that we still have some of that mystery here and we still have the DNA of the original phantasm but we did lose the dreamlike quality. It's the yes. one thing that I think this movie is missing is that dreamlike quality. And this was, again, something that the studio imposed on it. They said, you will have not one dream sequence if you want our money. And he said, okay, okay because okay. I want to make another movie. And um, I think it works for what it is because it's a very different kind of movie. He didn't try to make a similar movie without the dream sequences. He just said, you right. know what? Let's let's just lean into the balls to the wall, fucking crazy action, comedy, horror here. This is not going to be some sort of like ethereal, dreamy uh, nightmare scape. No, no, no. This is something totally different. This is the, uh, this is the Terminator 2 to yeah, there we the go. Terminator. This is the aliens to the alien. And, and it works. And there's a lot of people that will tell you that they prefer Terminator 2 to Terminator 1. There's a lot of people that will tell you they prefer aliens to alien. I'm not I one of them. Aliens to al I prefer aliens to alien. But yes. Yeah, I, and, I, and, I, I and, and I think more people are in that camp than not. Uh, and I was really surprised. I started reading on Reddit because I live and die on Reddit. Um, <laughs> that uh, a lot of people actually prefer part two to part one. And 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 I think for good reason. There's a lot there. I mean, we get for the very first time maybe the greatest horror movie um, weapon of all time. I said maybe. I said maybe because I don't want right. to commit to anything with Fair. the fucking four barrel shotgun. The quad I shotgun, mean, baby. What's better than that? I don't know. I mean, Ash's chainsaw. I'll give you that. Yeah, but, you um, know, Ripley's flamethrower, right? They're they're up there. Yeah, but man. Not only is it a quad chain, a quad shotgun, which is dope, but like the way that he kind of bevels it oh, to yeah. where, which is which is cool aesthetically, but also kind of like gives this feel because <laughs> multiple times from the point that he creates it on to the next four, the, that movie and three more, he fires, and apparently this thing just fans out like a mother. <laughs> and so, but and. I know Dick all about guns, right? I'm not a gun guy, <laughs> but aesthetically looking at him, like, oh yeah, it can spread out that much because of the way he he made it come to a point. That makes total sense. I don't know if it does. You can come attack us, I guess, on Instagram if you want. But <laughs> aesthetically, <laughs> it gives that feel, and I do, and I love that they made it look like something that a dude would make in a hardware store at yeah. night like it i mean it's held it's together duct taped together yes it's duct taped <laughs> and you see him like screwing on the handle and stuff like they did such they did such a good job with the quad shotgun it's awesome and man that just goes into the fact that obviously when they got that extra money he was like i've got some great idea ideas for visuals that I couldn't do with what my budget was before because the special effects budget for this one, you can tell went through the roof, um, including yeah. very early in the movie. We get this really great gag where they're as they're chasing and they're constantly going through different uh, mausoleums or mortuaries, uh, mm -hmm. whichever word is applicable. They, they find the little girl like crouched in the corner crying. Oh, yeah. 
And then they pull the blanket off her back and like her spine comes up and it's got a face on it, like a face, like, like a chest popper. It's like and, Quato from Total Recall. Yes. <laughs> and and it's like talking and it was like, oh my God, like that is grotesque <laughs> and it's awesome. And like, that was the first time when I was like, okay, so they, they definitely have more money for this one, right? Like I, they you know, also, I they, they, walk, they walk into that mortuary and the walls are drenched in blood yeah i i i hadn't seen this movie in maybe a year or two i do re-watch this one in the original phantasm quite a bit uh because i i think there is a drop off in quality because there is uh Fair. from two to from two to three um but um it, it, it's just i mean it, it's fucking wow like this this set and then like the fucking cross that's there like link turned to me and he was like why is there a cross there and i'm like dude this guy's the fucking devil like would you not (laughs) try to use anything in your power he was like no no i got you i got you yeah 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 (laughs) but um that and and also speaking of the weapons there was a moment in this movie that made me realize that maybe something in another movie that we've done in this show was an homage. And that is there's a scene where uh, Reggie pulls out the sh- pulls out his uh, chainsaw and then a guy reaches up on a shelf and pulls out a bigger chainsaw. And I was like, yes, oh my God, it's the scene from Mandy. I didn't think and- about that until this time as well. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, like we had already talked about how dope that scene was, and now yeah. for it to cut, you know, possibly, I can only assume, to maybe be a callback to something like this, it, it's it's always cool, you know, it's like back when we went and uh, when we did, whenever we do older stuff and you see where these, these tropes and these callbacks mm-hmm. from later movies develop, like it was, plus that scene was just great, it was a oh, really cool awesome. scene. Chainsaw fight scenes are dope. Um, But it was, it was cool to kind of see that Um, another. And I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a wink at the, uh, at the audience. This was a straight on like Zach Morris, like Jim, Jim (laughs) staring in the camera moment when they go to do, (laughs) when he takes the ashes and he's like pouring them in the thing and they're in a bottle that's just labeled Mr. Sam Raimi. Oh, Yes. Yes, like I, which <laughs> I, I, his love for Raimi, I think, comes through in the third one, and we'll 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 get to to part three later. But yeah, that was such a nice callback, and I love how like uh, Raimi and Craven had this thing back and forth where they were referencing each other, and right. um, I can't remember if Raimi ever referenced Coscarelli in any of his later movies, but I love that Coscarelli kind of recognized that. And was yeah. like, let, let me get in on the fun here, you know. And, yeah. and even if, even if he wasn't invited into the club, I like that he took a shot, you know. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it was just like, like it made me like I like I paused the movie and I was like, okay, let me just make sure. So I went and double checked like the dates on Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. I was like, how far was Sam Raimi in his career when he did this? And this was eighty eight. Evil Dead Two was eighty seven. So yeah, I mean, so Raimi was established as like the horror dude at that. point. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. so yeah, so I mean, it was just. It was it was such a cool moment, and like I said, not even not even a wink to the audience, just like a hey, check this out. But it was <laughs> it was fun, and that's you're right. In he decided that in you know, and I guess now I know because he was told not to do the dream thing that he was just going to go with it's going to be scary 
but it's going to be fun. And I, that is why, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wavering right now, but I, I feel like this is probably my favorite one just because it is scary. It is gory. There are awesome special effects and some of the simplest stuff at the very end when Alchemy's driving the, the hearse and she starts to twist her hair yeah. and her finger and just that piece of scalp just comes off and she just keeps talking like not shit just happened. Like it's just, it's such a cool little, what a great gross, ending too. And yeah. Just, and they, man, and they, they, they committed, they committed to that. We're going to end the movie with somebody getting snatched through a window thing. Right. Like, yeah. And, and <laughs> I'm here for it. Right. Find your thing. Friday the 13th, Jason yeah. broke 137 panes of glass off the top of my head. I'm going to go 137, but uh, you know, like Sounds you, know, accurate. You, you, you find something that works. And that was such a great ending to that first one for him to get snatched through that mirror. Hell yeah. Why not recreate that? Mm -hmm. It was, they, which to you, me seemed like it was a call back to, um, actually, no, maybe a nightmare on Elm street was a call back to that. Okay. Because in a, in a Nightmare on Elm Street, remember it ends with the car driving away, and then the and hand then, coming through the window on the door, and then and the, right, and then the mother getting dragged through. Yeah. To me, that might be a callback to that. Yeah. So I, the, the like when it when it's all said and done, man, this one was just ridiculously fun while keeping yeah. while keeping so many of the things from the first one that made it scary uh you know like, like i said it, it seems like such an odd choice on the surface to go with reggie but i mean the dude the dude hit just constantly he was good mm -hmm. at what he did it's horny good for him right you know oh, like man. i i hope that when i am as old as reggie is in in part five that i can still <laughs> that I can still get it up like he does because yeah. holy fuck. Yeah. Reg, Reg, man, Reg horn dog knows how to make two <laughs> shotguns into one shotgun. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll ride cross country in a Hemi Cuda with this dude hunting the tall man. Seems like a cool guy. <laughs> so they just, this one was just, it was, it was fun and it was scary. It was, it was, it was a nice change after the first one. They, they, they did a lot of really good things. I was, I was, I'm very happy with, with number two. Uh, before we move on to number three, I think this movie has my favorite kill in the whole series, uh, which is the, um, I don't know what to call him. Would he be a mortician? Would he be a pallbearer? I don't know. Oh, yeah, he's a little uh, bit of everything. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the, the, the tall, the, the tall man's henchman, the tall yeah. boy. I like that. The <laughs> yeah, tall the boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's two of them. Yeah, yeah, the tall the, boys. The first tall boy. Uh, fuck it, I'm drinking whiskey now. Now I want to have a tall boy. Um, <laughs> the first tall boy, the one that gets his hand impaled, right? Yes. And and he very smartly cuts off the hand so that he can live, right? And, and effortlessly too, just took it. Necessity <laughs> will, will will have things like this happen, right? Um, the sphere burrows into his back and oh, then yeah. up his spine, through his chest cavity, out his mouth. That was oh my god, one of the most brutal kills ever every time i see it it knocks my fucking socks off um and i was wondering if this was going to be too much for my son uh 
It was not. It was <laughs> he, not. He was, he was there for the whole ride. He was like, oh, my God, did that go through his chest? I'm like, yeah, it did, kid. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, uh, so the, good. I mean, and injecting the tall man with the with the embalming needle full of oh. embalming fluid and sulfuric acid. Like, again, special effects budget, you know, just the way eyes just to melt popping. his whole body off and mm. pop the eyes. Yeah. So, two, they take it. They they go adventure movie with it. They they up the budget, and then we get into Phantasm Three, Lord of the Dead. Again, good waiting period here. We go from eighty eight to ninety four. So now we're mid nineties. We're still looking at Phantasm movies, and again, but technically, does... no time has passed between the two of them. Right, which is interesting because there's nine <laughs> years between the first two, and they're like, okay, ten years passed. We they acknowledge it, yeah. Yeah, then there's six years between this one and they're like, no, it picks up the exact second the last <laughs> right. one left off. Like they're just now, they're just now leaving the mortuary. Um, and you know, where where two took the first one and decided to get weird with it, three took two and decided to get home alone with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, three, three was a little all over the place, but what do you think about three, man? Um, you know, I I like three. I go back and forth on whether I like three or four more because they they both have and I do like all the movies in this franchise. Three, I think, marks the decline. I think one and right. two like definitely stand head and shoulders above the rest. But uh, but it's for a reason. And it's because funding was difficult. And he was he was back to funding these movies on his own and kind of raising money as 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 he could. And he is forced to go the video on demand route because right. distribution is expensive. And before we keep going, Frank uh, Kowalski has a comment. He says, I watched the chess scene in the whole Phantasm series when I had COVID. Felt like a literal fever dream the entire time. That, uh, that is possibly yeah. the best scenario to watch all five of these movies. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, and actually, you should probably re-watch because what you saw and what you think you saw uh, because of COVID fever uh, yeah. is it could it could be two different things. Shit, now now um, I watch Phantasm with a high fever. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> now I'm just interested in what that's like. Yeah, fuck. Um, I wonder <laughs> if you could like somehow like direct, like broadcast your mind while you were asleep. Because that that would that would be the ultimate Phantasm. That would experience. be the way to do it. You're right. Yeah. Um, uh, some sort of like Clockwork Orange shit. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I um, I understand the drop in quality and I don't fault the movie for it. And and in fact, I look at uh, three through five with uh, with different eyes. I think you have to you have right. to appreciate uh, appreciate video on demand movies uh, that are video on demand because of budget. And um, you, you have to approach them in a different way. These are movies that Coscarelli made uh for two reasons one for himself and and secondly for the fans and i think that that's why phantasm fans are so rabid because these are movies that were made for them right. uh and uh, this movie in fact was written by a fan and oh. and 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 coscarelli collaborated with this guy 
Um, I can't remember the name of the guy and I don't care to look it up right now either. But um, but I, I do remember reading that that uh, this was something that like. Coscarelli may have been done with the series and then he got this script and he was like, you know what? There's something here. Let's keep going. Let's do this. Let's let, let's explore this a little further. And because he was doing this himself, he had the ability to bring in the original Mike. Right. And uh, as, as much as like I uh, extolled uh, James LaGrosse to bring back the original Mike. Now, now there's this sense of, um like legacy that happens with part three um there's also a really interesting thing in that we start to get some explanation in part three and i think that that's one of the most interesting things about part three is that we get explanation we understand why the tall man is doing this how he does this the scene where we see the tall man performing his operation and turning these dwarves these humans into the dwarves right because we knew from the very first one that he turns the dead into these slaves and all this happens and it has something to do with the gravity from the planet that he's from uh or dimension that he's from whatever it is it's never explained and we don't care and if you care this is the wrong series for you right um but to see it happen how the brain is removed and put into a sphere now what you were saying about the sphere in the first movie where it behaves um in in a in a natural way where it doesn't just stop on a dime and turn and go it's not robotic but it looks robotic Right. It's it's this sort of like it's sci fi, but it's fantasy. It's almost steampunk, except it looks futuristic. Right. right. Um, it's it's really, really interesting. And we get um, who I think is one of uh, actually we get two of my favorite characters in the whole franchise here. We get Rocky. Rocky is fucking awesome like anyone who's gonna fucking nunchuck her way yeah in it it like you you nunchuck your way into my heart okay yes. um and and then we also get um we get timmy yeah tim is Who's- a great character and i i think that he uh like you mentioned home alone like that scene where where those street toughs like make their way into his house like that's that's a great scene it's also really creepy right because there's these clowns everywhere right and like this is what a horror movie version of home alone would be like right and that that hatchet kind of just just embeds itself into her head it's um it's really great and i think with kids in a particularly low budget movies, it's really easy for the child character to become annoying. Yes. And he was never played annoyingly. He was Which I was I was very worried about. Like, you know, as, yeah. as it goes, I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I remember this one now. Like, cause I'm watching, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to remember these things. And I was like, does and I'm trying to remember, like, does this kid get annoying? And like when he does the uh the, the razor blade frisbee, <laughs> I was mm. like, hmm. Oh, it's awesome. Okay. I don't remember it staying like this for the whole movie. <laughs> I'm going to hope that my memory is accurate. Like, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's a great gag, right? But I was like, I can't, yeah, I can't take a whole movie of of 
even more psychopathic Kevin McAllister um, taking people out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and, and yes, he does, he does develop very well. And he, um, the, the, the actor who played him on, I just looked up his name, Kevin Connors. Uh, mm-hmm. He does, he does a really great job of playing a kid who has been forced to grow up without like it feeling forced right like that that idea of being forced to mature before you should have to is something that that's that's a very fine line when you're watching movies right it's it's easy to 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 have them yeah be annoying or just be comic relief like in you know great role models is a is a comedy movie but the little kid it's like oh look it's funny he's like eight and he says fuck a lot and so <laughs> but and so it's it's real easy to to cross into that territory but they they rode that line where he did come across as a very emotionally mature character mm-hmm. while still getting to be a kid and that was awesome yeah yeah and um there was a point I was gonna make. Oh yeah, sorry. No, I can't remember what it was. Oh, um, right. oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you, you talk about him being emotionally mature. Um, that scene where Reggie is going to leave him at the the home where you know this woman is taking care of all these children that have come from the nearby town, and he hands her a couple hundred bucks. Right. Because, again, he's just, you know, right. Flush, Flush with cash. With cash. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, um, and Timmy, in his like uh, super street smarts, notices what's going on, sneaks into the car, uh, into the, the boot of the car. For those of you uh, watching and listening in England, um, <laughs> uh, the the two people who, down- who download from England Um uh, throw you a little bone there. Um, he doesn't really get upset about it. He just right. tells he just tells Reggie later. He's like, "You're gonna take me back." He goes, "No, man, we're good." You know, like yeah. that's to to me. Like he is such a great replacement for Mike in a movie where um, Mike really isn't present. Right. Um, I mean, because Mike is there. But parts three and four is really just the search for Mike. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas like uh, Star Trek part three is the search for Spock. Uh, Parts three and four is the search for Mike. And I kind of wish that Mike would have stayed around longer. Uh, This does have one hell of an ending. Fuck. This ending is fantastic. Um, But. He plays the 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 role well. I do think that Mike, when we uh, Mike does give us some of the the best moments in this movie, when he's looking in the mirror and he's he's he sees yeah. that he's bleeding embalming fluid. He's not bleeding blood, and he's got he's he's got one of the spheres in there or something in there, right? right? And his his eyes are all chrome, right? But he does happen to mention before then that the tall man does not like the cold, and this is where there's that turn you were talking about that turn where the series does become about the spheres where the tall man becomes frozen right because they you know rocky in her infinite fucking badassness freezes the tip of of that that spike and then she impales the tall man 
and they put him in the freezer and then his body's frozen and his head cracks open and out comes a fucking sphere. And to, to me, that was one of those moments where the first time I saw this movie, I was like, what the fuck? Right. Like everything I knew about the tall man has just been eradicated. Like, what are these things? Like, is that the tall man's brain inside that sphere? Because we haven't seen a sphere inside right. of a person's head until like just moments before this where it was Mike. <laughs> and is it actually a sphere that's in him or is it something else? Because we're not 100% sure. Yeah. And especially because this is the first one, you know, where you start to get spheres that have like different sheens to them. So you can kind of tell right. some of them apart. And, and you're getting you're starting to realize that not all spheres are created equal, right? Mm -hmm. the, you know, they, they have, they have different weapon sets and apparently they can do different things. And um, I think it's actually four where we get the one with the eyeball, but you, you know, you yeah. start to, you start to, but you start to realize that there's more to them than just something that drills into people's head and, and drains them of that blood. And you're right. That's the moment where it's like tall man is terrifying spheres possibly not toy of the tall man, tall man, toy of the spheres. That's the right. first time when you start to make that realization. Um, they, they, they did a lot, you know, they, they, there's that really like the opening, I think it's the very first scene where he like pops open one and you see the tiny brain in there and stuff. And you're just like, this is all so weird and so grotesque and just bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, like they again this is one where they they definitely had some fun the street toughs coming back as yeah. you know like the zombies later on or whatever and and yet rocky fighting them off of nunchucks at one point knocking out reggie because the the street tough dodges just fucking <laughs> great just great like like 30 seconds like, like three seconds of slapstick comedy i'll take it like let's keep moving now right that was that was hilarious and we got um, more of that in the camping scene where like his hands are cut off and we get what i have to assume is uh like an homage to evil dead where the hands yes. like turn into because what you see is like just like the hand molted and it's yes. just like skin that's there. And then the hands are fucking running around like they've got a mind of their own. And it's going up Reggie's pants, right? And she stabs it. And he was like, oh, that was a close call. And she's yeah. like, close to what? Like, so, <laughs> I love that Rocky never gives in. Right. And there's the one up his, his nose. He, like, pulls it all the way out. Yeah. Like, they. Oh, that's they, so great. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I, I, I got when. When he finally thinks he's when he finally thinks like he's broken down the wall and he's gonna get with Rocky and she's like, yeah. Oh yeah, well here's how I like it. Just chain hand comes up to the bed and goes to sleep. <laughs> like not not only not only is that really like not only is that just really funny, but it's like it's one of those things that anybody who's been married long enough like could see happening in their relationship, yeah. right? You know, it's just like <laughs> then she handcuffed me to the bed. Your boy's like, whoa, really? It's like, yeah, then she rolled over and went to sleep. It's like, oh, <laughs> you know, like it's just they they again this they they reached a point where you're, they just they leaned in man and yeah. they were like we're gonna and 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 like you said because they're making them for the fans like if people are gonna love these and they're gonna you know they're gonna sit around at conventions and they're gonna watch these things then then let's make them feel a lot let's let's give them reasons to to be scared and to 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 feel, you know like there's there, there's some really emotional moments in this one um especially with Timmy and with, you know, finding Mike, but then losing Mike. And mm -hmm. you, we finally get a little explanation as to kind of what the tuning fork 
dimensional gates yeah. are, you know, and and they you're you're right, they, they they heaped a lot into this one, but it never felt really crowded. It just felt like the one where the most was accomplished, but it still felt streamlined. Narratively, because, yeah. Yeah. But it still felt streamlined because you know what? All five of these movies are 80 minutes long each, almost on the nose. Mm -hmm. like they are at the 80 minute mark and so you know he knew what he wanted to do and he made it fit and he trimmed just enough fat and this one this one while it 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 does start rough like i said the home alone stuff's enjoyable but at the same time you're like what am i, I this isn't what i thought yeah. i was getting into mm -hmm. uh you know you it does it does keep going with some great stuff and man you talked about that ending like for them to say goodbye to Rocky and then go back in to look for clues for Mike. And he goes into the freezer in the cryogenic chamber, which, by the way, I just love the idea. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it's just a big vat of liquid nitrogen. We throw stuff in there. That's called cryogenics. <laughs> okay. Um, it was the 90s. Yeah, exactly. They're like, this is how cryogenics works. We read a Batman comic one time. <laughs> uh, and so, but he comes back out. And in a scene that I know as we're talking about five, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the technical aspects of the way the singer shot. But in a moment that is so perfectly well-framed, Timmy pushes open the door and he's looking for Reg and he can't see anything. And then he pushes it just a little bit further so he can get out. And when he pushes it that one step further, suddenly we can see that Reg is pinned up against the wall behind oh, so the door. Great. It's so amazingly well shot. And in that moment goes from, you know, like, okay, cheerful, goodbye, Rocky cracking jokes, you know, about okay. never getting with yeah. Reg to, okay, things are getting weird. We put that weird gold one in this vat and it's gone now. And, and then it just builds back to this sheer terror that the movie ends with to where when then the door closes and you see tons of those balls. And, you know, Mike had just warned them. There's, there's thousands of them. And suddenly there's so many of them. They've got them pinned up against this wall. And then again, snatched out a window. And it's like, God damn, like I ate so much. had happened at that point. You forget about the ending being snatched out windows and it's effective again. Yeah. And there's, um, it's really, there's so much that goes on in that last act that you forget that, that incredible shot that starts of just the tall man and then pans back and you see that army of spheres. Above yeah. Him. And the fact that Mike had said that there was this army of spheres that was present. And speaking of the different spheres, right? You mentioned the gold one. I love the fact that we get that like Looney Tune style, like the sphere pump through that zombie's face. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it just, like, leaves like the perfect hole, like just, bug yeah, running through a wall. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, and that's that's what my son said. He was like, "Is that kind of like when Bugs Bunny?" I'm like, "That's exactly like when Bugs Bunny <laughs> does that." Yeah. Um, those zombies were definitely uh, for me uh, a callback to the Deadites. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, in, they, in all they, ways, they had to have been. They they were funny. They were perverse. They were everything they needed to be. But the other thing that we saw with with the spheres, I mentioned the brains and the spheres and all that. We also saw the return of Jody in the form yes. of the sphere. And when you're talking about a movie that like, is it fan service? Yes. Is it bad? 
No, I don't think it is uh, to see Jody return and see the three of them together. To me, there was something magical there. The magic of what worked in that first one kind of comes together there too. And the fact that Jody is, is only not present in that second one uh, to me marks that second one as the different one. Uh, right. The one that is that studio movie, the one that that doesn't have the dreams, the one that uh, that is big budget, if you can call three million dollars big budget. Right. Right. Um, and it's all the better for it because it is its own thing. But um, it, it, I, I do love that we get so much backstory about the spheres and. And, and about what it is that's going on in this movie. Narratively, you're right. I do think this is the movie that gives us the most. Yeah. Um, which leads us into part four. And part four, I think, tries to go back to the, um, the bizarreness of the first one. There is less of a sort of straightforward storytelling... Um, we do still get some of that aspect of part three where Reggie and Mike are separated, right? Cause Mike drives right. off after knowing that, you know, he's had this operation that has been successful by, uh, by the tall man and, and Reggie is left in this situation where, you know, the, the spheres are on him. Right. Uh, so it's a great cliffhanger of an ending. And I guess he knew he was going to make another one because to right. me, that's that that's a very Empire Strikes Back ending. Yeah. You don't yeah, yeah, yeah. end you don't end a movie there where part four ends, I think, is a cliffhanger ending that works as an ending. Right. Even if it's not a great summation of the series. Um so what what's your takeaway from from part four? Because we get a lot of backstory on the tall man. Um, we get we get a great progression in in Mike's story in particular in this one, too. So this so now we've reached the point where the, these last two, it's the first time I've seen them. And I'm still very torn about four. Like there, there's a part of me, there's a part of me that really wants to be like, mm, four is the dud in the series because it was the first time while running through that I had moments where I felt bored. And, um, and so there, there's part of me that's like, ah, I don't know if I like four, but there's another part that, that kind of looks at everything as a whole and if I view four as a cog in the machine, then I'm I can view four as a very necessary piece that that maybe you know like somebody's got to put the caps on all the pens before they come out of the factory, right? Like <laughs> it's it's not the most exciting job in the world, you know. Charlie Bucket's dad screwed the lids on on the toothpaste. It's not exciting, but it was important. <laughs> And so that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I'm settling in on four. It's with the exception of like pretty dope, like final act three, like the end of four. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, but like until that moment, it's just like, 
man, like I get it. I get that you've got a story you want to tell here and and it and they, you know, this I think that four was the first time when they maybe it was three, but I feel like it was four was the first time where they started talking about the tuning forks, not just like they had used the not where when thing. But I feel uh-huh. like four was the first time where they started like referring to him as like intradimensional, like interdimensional. Yeah. Like four was the first time where it's like, oh, well, they, he, who knows which one you met and and all of this. And, and all of that plays into a very grand idea that they were selling here. The only issue with four is like it is is it does kind of drag sometimes. Uh, they, you know, they, there were, there, there were definitely some really good scenes. I love that scene where he's in the desert and it's just a field of the tuning fork gates. Yeah. Right. And, and some, some of that stuff is cool. It was cool to see Angus scrim without all the makeup on and just kind of looking like an old man pouring lemonade, you know, and, and stuff like that. Like there, there were some cool moments. And, and, uh, like I said, in the grand overarching idea of phantasm, is for great not in my opinion is it necessary absolutely because without because without four the insanity that we're going to get to a five wouldn't exist right right and so and it also makes use of what was established in three one of my favorite things about four so fours in 98 so we only waited four years for this one um but i don't i can I've got to assume that some of those flashbacks that weren't actually in the first movie were like deleted scenes that they now found a use for because yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, you can, you can, well, I mean, in 98, you know, the reverse aging, you know, with, with special effects was not what it is now, but you can't shrink him down and make him look like young Mike again. But like that scene where he jumps on the back of the ice cream truck and grabs an ice cream out of the back, like that wasn't actually in the first movie. So I right. do love that they, that they, you know, possibly for budget reasons, but then made it work, used footage that they already had to help tell this story and create a deeper connection for the fans with these characters. And I did really, really like that aspect. To me, that aspect of the movie is the best aspect of the movie. Part four is for me, um, it accomplishes what my favorite part of Doom Eternal is. I don't know if you you've played the the recent. I have Doom not games. played Doom Eternal. Uh, so Doom Eternal kind of ties all of the Doom games together, okay. and on top of being a great shooter, it's also uh, a great capstone to the entire series. And and part of that is that it it strings them all together, and I think that Part Four does that. I will agree. It's not the most exciting of movies. Right. Uh, This is likely my least favorite in the franchise. Uh, But that's like saying Return of the Jedi is my least favorite Star Wars movie from the original trilogy. Right. I got to say from the original trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because The Last Jedi is just fucking awful. I can't stand that movie. Um, But I love The Return of the Jedi. Um, And yet it's still my least favorite. And and that's kind of how I feel about this one. Because uh, it does string together those movies. And it makes the legacy matter. 
Right. Uh, because we see those those things that we did not see in the original movie and yet were filmed and they're presented in a way where now what actually happened in that first movie? Yes. Right. It, it, it even accentuates that dreamlike quality that the first movie had. And it's like, how did they actually kill the tall man? Was he right. hanged? Or did he fall down that mine shaft? And to me, I mean, as as a as a lover of movies, I know, okay, they filmed a film sequence that didn't work and they cut right. it out of the movie, right? But as the film viewer, I'm like, fuck, this is this is incredible. And it almost makes it seem as if going back to 1979. Right. So you're talking about almost 20 years. You're talking about 19 years. This entire thing has been planned from the beginning. Right. And of course, of course, it wasn't right. Not a chance. But but right. Not not a chance. But but it makes it matter. It makes it matter. And you're 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 taking this thing that initially you thought is not good enough to make it. Right. It was left on the cutting room floor. And you're saying. It all matters. Everything about yes. this series matters. And that makes you as a fan appreciate this series so much more. And I think that's what part four really, really brings to the table. The st- uh, Mike's existential crisis out in the desert. <laughs> I Honestly, I love it. I, the, to yeah. me, that's the best part of this movie because as much as I love Reggie, Reggie's my favorite character in this series. Uh, to me, he's kind of like a like an Ash Williams. You know, he's he's yeah. one of the he's one of the 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 underrated heroes of cinema. Oh, also, know? like Ash, just gets the shit kicked out of him all Every the time and movie. keeps coming back, and somehow fucking like. I, I I feel like Randall talking to Dante in Clerks 2. Like, how do you always have like two hot chicks on you all the time? Yeah. Like, how the fuck does 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 he pull this way? Yeah. I don't get it. Uh yeah, especially but... he's got the he's got the, the Dharma's dad hair with like the ponytail <laughs> while he's balding. And just like, hey, look, there's a broke down chick on the side of the road. Not just a broke down chick on the side of the road, but Jennifer was a smoke show. Oh, and absolutely. Like, and then, yeah, and like, it's just like, oh, well, hi, I'm Randall. Hey, I'm Jennifer. Hey, we're not, we're not strangers anymore. Maybe that was how I met Don. But anyway, like, dude, that right. game, right? And so it's <laughs> like, it's like, this is just, it was. You're right. It was just like, man, this this guy just, he's always got it. Yeah, and um, I I will say that his story in this movie not as interesting as Mike's. However, everything that happens with Jennifer in that dream sequence slash reality right and this is where again we start to get some of that that sort of bizarre uh like is what's real what's not real that starts coming in uh again in this movie um that sequence in that uh, abandoned motel room is so fucking cool and that you know that that he sees her chest like buzzing Yes. And, oh my and, and, god! And, and his his initial thought is far out, far out. Right? Yes. <laughs> That's it's so like, fucking awesome. And this this man looks 
and a half-naked woman sleeping next to him and sees her boobs moving <laughs> independently <laughs> while she is unconscious and doesn't go, that's weird. He says far out. Like, that's yeah. just, like, <laughs> man, this dude is so, he's down so bad. <laughs> like, it's oh, like, man. oh, man, not only do I have a shot at this chick now, but her boobs move on their own. The yeah. 90s are crazy, yo. <laughs> <laughs> And like um, all, at that at that point, he's in his late fifties. Yeah, you know, like fuck, man. That, that's what I say. Like, <laughs> I hope I have his libido when I'm that age. Yeah, um, I also one of the things that I love about that scene before it got and also just and then just the finale of of that scene. By the way, just being that the orbs actually pop out of her boobs oh, man, and so start great. attacking him in the room, just. <laughs> Just, just, I uh, just genius, like so, I was so spot on for this genre that that they had gotten away from really until that point in this movie, yeah. right? Like that was almost like the reminder. It's like, no, 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 we're still a phantasm film. Like we're still gonna have some fun. Like, <laughs> but before that, when they first get there, he's lighting the candles, and and what becomes the Randall, you know, the, the Randall trope is that apparently he meets he meets a hot girl and he tells her the whole story of his adventure so far. Reggie, the Reggie trope. Reggie, yes, the Reggie story. Sorry, and, I brought I brought up Randall Graves. Yes, yes <laughs> um, the, the the red, you know, that that's Reggie's thing, and then they're like, I don't believe you, and he's like, Ah, well, you should. But the way that they did that scene, it was it was so cute. Is like the only word you can put on it, right? Yeah. Where this girl's changing behind a not transparent but not opaque, you know, like shower curtain, and she's always very careful to cover up when she turns around, and and you know, we're just we're just getting these glimpses, which is a big change from the fact that the very first movie in this franchise opened with people fucking on a grave. Like yes. we didn't even talk about that when we mentioned the first movie. The opening shot of this franchise is two people having sex in a cemetery complete with a titty. So yeah, we've come that far to Which, where we had, by the way, I mean, I know it's the seventies, but those, those were really good fake boobies for the seventies. Yeah. yeah, they were. They really I, were. The, the, yeah. I believe she's just credited as like lavender lady, but yeah. 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 But a lavender lady, um, wherever you are, um, kudos. Yeah, well done. But, but so so for a franchise to open with that and so you know just just falling into that idea of these scary movies being overtly sexual in, in the the 70s and 80s to come to this point in the late 90s where now we get this really cute and endearing scene that just teases. It's like playful partial nudity and it it's mm -hmm. outside of the fact that like you said we see Mike have this existential crisis it again shows the growth in this movie and the fact that they were willing to change to continue to tell their story. And that scene, it was, it was this really sweet moment. Right. And it was just, it was, it was something that if you would put that scene in the first movie would have seemed so out of place. Yeah. But here, 20 years later, Reggie being where he was, you know, in his, in his mid to late fifties, this being a young girl and maybe they're the last two people on earth, you know, the would they, won't they, but like just the, the way that that scene played out was so perfect in this movie. And then, like I said, then to turn around and like that, it's like, Oh, here's a dream sequence. And here's orbs popping out of her boobs. Bam. We're back, baby. You know, like it was just <laughs> like that, that whole abandoned motel scene, 
um, outside of the Mike's insane idea of how to destroy <laughs> the tall man was, was the coolest scene in the movie. It was just so perfectly done. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned Mike destroying the tall man, him starting to think like the tall man and creating yes. an orb is one of the most interesting things because he never loses himself throughout the movie. He's right. always Mike. Right. And he's he's writing his last will and testament. He's writing to Reggie. He's always Mike. And yet there's that bit of him that creates an orb. Right. That's so fucking yeah. weird. That's so fucking weird. We also get in 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 Mike's story the backstory for the tall man. Yes. Which to me means that they are linked in some way. Right. Which we kind of understood before, but we definitely get here. That well, the, and because the... they 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 made mention of the fact that you go where he wants you to go when you go through mm -hmm. these gates. I don't remember if it was in this one or the one. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't this one. Yeah. yeah. And so so for him to go through that gate and to come out to meet the tall man before he was evil like, mm -hmm. means that th that he wanted him to see that he wanted him to understand this part of him. And so, uh, so there, there's, there's a link there. There's a connection. It's more than just boy, you know, like yeah. we, we start to understand why he's obsessed with Mike. Yeah. There's, th there is something there. There was a part of him. And I wonder if very much like invasion of the body Sanders, which we did two episodes ago where, um, miles is being convinced that this transformation that's going to take place is a good thing, right? right? Where where the tall man is like, don't be afraid, don't fear, right? Which is what the uh, the old gypsy lady tells him in yes. in the in the first movie, which we find out is his wife. Yes. in this movie, right? So is she in a way pushing him to accept the tall man? Or is she pushing him to fight the tall man without fear? I don't know. And I still don't know. And, and, and that's, that's one of the things about this movie that really fucks with me. Like who is really whom in this movie? And, and, and who do I trust? Yeah. Do I trust the tall man that these fears are going to make Earth a better place, a safer place for us, right? Uh, as we find out, you know, part five, <laughs> evidently not, right? No. Um, but uh, or or is this woman this? Um, uh, I, I always think of her as the the gypsy woman from, from right. the first movie, uh, even though she is clearly not a, a gypsy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But she certainly dresses like one. Uh, this this gypsy woman, it, it, what was that message? What was it really about? Yeah. Right? Because uh, she clearly knew her husband before and after. He went in through these forks. Yeah. And, and he was a very different person. Did she go through the forks as well? Did she come back a changed person? Does she have a sphere or is she something else? Or is maybe this sort of very um, esoteric um, research that he's done fueled by her and her um, 
connection to the supernatural. Yeah. They, I don't know. They 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 did a lot in this one, which, like I said, just leads me to that idea of how necessary the movie is. Mm -hmm. uh, but man, like, but <laughs> that scene where they just blow up the whole hearse, it's like, ah, oh, that was cool. <sighs> yeah, and, like they did, they did such ass. a good job with that. Yeah. And so speaking of blowing things up, <laughs> <laughs> this movie, so this was 98. Okay. And so we get an ending that's an ending there's a cliffhanger uh -huh. to it but if it had gone away forever you know you can you can live comfortably with that mm -hmm. but phantasm was not done with us yet because in 2014 as angus scrim is staring down the barrel of 90 this man was born in 1926 crazy <laughs> like like on the cusp <laughs> of 90 and they he was give still us, imposing in this movie yes yeah they give us phantasm 5 ravager mm -hmm. and boy howdy did they <laughs> give us a movie with this one this movie takes the idea of i don't know what's real and what's a dream it takes the idea of this being saving the world it takes all of those things and Spinal Tap would be proud because this oh, yeah. is well past 11. <laughs> this shit just, this was to the moon, man. There was no looking back for them on this one. They were like, we're going out and we're doing everything. And we got that sci-fi Saturday night money. And, <laughs> and we're going to have, we're going to have fun with this. And man, just what do you think of Phantasm Five? I think that if you can overlook the obviously low budget of this movie, there is so much fucking badassness in part five. Shit, yeah. I love part five. And um, going back and watching this again now, because this is only the second time I've seen part five. Um, I... I thought, man, do I like this more than even part three? <laughs> you know, like clearly for me, like, you know, part one and part two are like neck and neck for for my favorite in the series. Part four, I'm pretty sure is my least favorite. But somewhere in the middle there, like, is this better than part three? And I kept thinking, like, dude, Reggie Bannister kicks this out of the fucking park man like it yeah. is so damn good angus scrim knocks it out of the fucking park uh michael baldwin knocks it out of the fucking park like i i think they actually deliver genuinely good performances in this yes. where there is i'm not saying it's oscar worthy performances but uh like good performances where i would put this movie on for an acting coach and the acting coach would say, all right, you know, yeah. uh, which, which is about as good as you can hope for the majority of horror movies. Right. Keeping in mind that these guys for the most part are unknowns. Yeah. You know, aside from their work with Don Coscarelli, they're not really known in, in the, in, in, in the world of, of, of cinema. So these guys, I think did a fantastic job in this movie. Um, this one, particularly watching this movie 
today hit close to home because I have a grandfather who is struggling with dementia. And right. and so for for me, like as I was watching this movie, he was actually in the hospital. He's he's home today. He got home today. So um, so there's there's some good news there. But um, but it was it was like very emotional for me to watch this movie be like, fuck, like, is is this what living with dementia is like? Where like you really don't know like that level of disorientation. We do, I think, finally see a disorientation on the same level as we had in the original Phantasm, which is fantastic to see that come back, that we have a similar kind of movie with the original cast back is great. Right. Uh, We also get new characters like chunk that i think chunk fucking awesome chunk fucking killed it right yeah we see the return of characters like rocky where like even though it's a mid credit scene i don't fucking mm-hmm. care still counts i fucking love rocky you know i, I mentioned she nunchucked her way into my heart and she will never leave and and so to to see her back i know there will never be a phantasm six right it's not gonna happen uh angus scrim uh unfortunately passed away between the filming of this movie and the release of this movie because you mentioned it was uh, made in 2014 but it was released in 2016 right and um i don't see them making a phantasm movie without the tall man right and they're and they're not going to recast this yeah. I mean, the, the tall man is Angus Grimm. Uh, look at what happened to Nightmare on Elm Street when they recasted Freddy Krueger, right? When yeah. they tried to reboot the franchise. It just, it, it it didn't work. Someone like Jason Voorhees, yeah, you've had multiple actors who have come in to play him, just like Michael Myers. But number one, they're masked. And, and number two, a, a lot of their, right, a lot of their personality is based on uh, being personality-less. Right. Um, you can be physically imposing than you can be for he's or Myers. Right. Right. And, and in fact, a lot of what is scary about Myers is the fact that there is nothing human about him. Right. So, so almost anyone can come in and do that if, if they know how to take emotion out of it entirely. So um, Angus Scrim can't be replaced. No. There is no replacing him. It's it's like Frankenstein. Like how many people have come in to play Frankenstein and yet still the image that we see of Frankenstein in our minds. If you close your eyes and you think of Frankenstein's monster, who do you see? You, don't see, De- you don't see De Niro. No, and he did an admirable job. And he was, yeah, and he was good. Yeah, he was closer to uh, the the literary Frankenstein than Karloff ever was. But what Karloff brought to the character, I mean, it's incomparable. Right. So so there, there will not be another, another Phantasm movie, unfortunately. Right. Like five is five is so out of the box. And it and it and you're you're always guessing. And again, Reggie pulling tail, man. Don forget about it like oh, that's so hot oh right and like and not only that like you're talking about his libido's still up but not quite his you know ability to stay awake because 
There right. was a moment there where if he'd been up, he'd have pulled finally. You yeah. Know? Like, and so, and that was also. I like that a, realism. Yeah. And that was also just such a fun send up to the fact that Reggie's been trying for so hard. And he finally, he's finally about to enter the promised land and just years of chasing the tall man across the country. He's just finally caught up with him. The man's just asleep on a couch. And when he does wake up, what does he get? Dawn just getting her head drilled in the bed and just this mm. gruesome scene and not getting her head drilled in the way that you might see on other websites. So I, I will say that that scene is, is one of those scenes where uh, like, I really truly question still after a second viewing, whether he really has dementia or not because he can't, he can't remember her name. Right. And so they, they, you know, the, they, they do so much with that. And, you know, suddenly we've got that, that the spheres are everywhere in the country and they're, there are huge giant ones, mm-hmm. you know, just these massive, massive ones. One of them like slices a building in half with the laser at one point. And I mean, we, we get this full blown apocalyptic movie that still feels like a phantasm movie, not just because of the silver orbs, but because of the way that everything is presented. We still get this idea of, I mean, you can really look at this movie all the way until, you know, if, if, if without the mid credit scene, there's still this idea of the fact that this is all just kind of a dementia related thing because we see Reggie in the bed hooked up to the monitors and stuff like that. Jody and Mike are there and it's like, wait, so when Mike went to save him in the hospital, was that all still part of the thing? And he's just Mm -hmm. dying in the hospital and now, but you know, his friends get to be with them. So, but you know, whether, whether or not it happened because it was all in his head or that's just how it ended you know, we, Reggie got, he finally got what he was after, you know, there, that, uh, the tall man is, he gives it the great little talk about, uh, you, you always use this word loyal, you know, you're, you're, you're being damned by your loyalty mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and all of that, but, and that, that's all Reggie ever wanted. Reggie, Reggie, he wanted answers, but he wanted Jody back. He wanted Mike back. He wanted this family union unit that the three of them had. And it's, it's it's touching to see that in Reggie's final moments, after all the hell he's been through for five movies, he got that. And that was really awesome. But man, like you like you watch this movie and if you watch it as like as like a Resident Evil, just popcorn flick, man, it delivers. Yeah, it absolutely delivers. Like they fucking they shot the tall man with a goddamn rocket launcher at one point. Like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like it's like they just they did so many like cool things in this movie. They just had so much fun with it. They had so much fun with this movie that like the the comic book type panels behind the credits like are still telling the story and telling awesome scenes. Like there's a scene in those panels where like a fighter jet splits two of the spheres and they smash together. And like, and it shows them getting up to the cold and, and everything they've got to deal with there. Like you could, you could just tell that this one was a labor of love, that this one was just fun. And that just everyone in this, enjoyed it you know mike finally got to be in that action character role like i mean and yes he had that in two but uh the the actor a michael right. baldwin 
finally gets to be in that action scene instead of you know being you know being locked up and chased and having an existential crisis like now dude's a post-apocalyptic <laughs> badass you know and he's he's got his scarf on and and he's he's got his minions and all that i mean it's just it's really easy to look at this one and look at you know their their buck 50 special effects budget and and like i said i mean the the, the cgi in this definitely looks like a, a sci-fi original yeah um, but you know it's easy to look at that and and just be like oh this movie's trash but it's not it, it it's a great cap to this story it's a group of people that had a lot of fun it it goes back to so many little things that we saw happen. Mike taking control of the orb at the last moment, um, and his eyes doing the chrome thing again, which is just a cool look. Like yeah. they just, it, it's it was it was so much fun, while also just being a little bit of everything from all the Phantasm movies. Like it's it's you're it's definitely like I said, it's definitely probably the lowest budget of them all, but it, it's it's man it's probably the most fun one yeah um i'm actually looking up the budget here um wiki's got it listed at six hundred fifty thousand, which is only fifty thousand more than the original one had and it was made oh 25 years later (laughs) yeah so the purchasing power of that money is (laughs) um is not nearly the same um yeah, uh, there are student films that are made for less than uh, for for more money than than that today, um, and it it definitely does feel like a like a Sharknado or yeah. or a um, what was the Spire one that was on Sci Fi? That was a the good the, I, the Ice Spiders one. No, it wasn't. Oh, uh, okay, because Ice Spiders is hilariously bad. Um. Maybe I think was. I think I, I, I there was another spider one too. I just can't think of what it was called. But I mean, all those things, right? Sharktopus. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it 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 looks like that. You're right. Yeah. You know, the the special effects are bad. Oh, they're um, so bad. They're, 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 there's almost no practical. There's almost no practical effects. It's almost all CGI, and it's not good yeah. CGI. Yeah. No. It's 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 not. It um it kind of reminds me of um here in florida it's very easy for us to get to universal studios and there is a ride that is themed to uh fast and furious and <laughs> excellent it um it, you would think so <laughs> because it is an action packed franchise right. right um so it's like oh fucking cars and uh fucking you know, babes and like they, they fucking went to space in the last one. Right. Yeah. Hell um, yeah. it is so bad that ride, <laughs> uh, because you're, you're basically static the whole time and you're just watching screens go by and the, it's all computer animation and it looks like something that was made on the same graphics engine that rockstar used for grand theft auto vice city. um and and that's that's kind of the feeling that i got in this movie but here's the thing um i really like grand theft auto vice city (laughs) and and so there's there's sort of a nostalgia there where like i i remember 
the times of watching sci-fi and watching these low budget movies and thinking that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Because yeah. I was, I was, I was sitting there with a beer in one hand and popcorn in the other. And I was just having a good time. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what Ravager does all the while. Um, really getting at what we love about phantasm. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that Costco really didn't direct this one. Right. He produced this one. He wrote this one, but I think he kind of understood like, I'm done. I've said everything I need to say in the, in the realm of phantasm. Let me let someone else take over here. And he did. And I think it worked. Yeah. And 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 I think that the director, uh, David Hartman, I think his name is, he is. uh thank you, uh, because I read it about 10 minutes ago, and um I'm about four glasses of scotch in, and um <laughs> I can't remember my own name right now. Um, so uh he did such a great job, like the guy was clearly a fan of the yeah. series. And and he he played this for laughs and he played this for horror and and he really took this to a level that we hadn't seen before. And to see the spheres in such a terrifying way where yeah. they're leveling buildings, they are, um, you know, the 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 great observer of humanity and and uh we we see everything from the uh the the guys that my my son would refer to as the miners because they look like yes. uh like uh like the miners from my bloody valentine right mm -hmm. to uh what he called the gremlins right the dwarves right um to the spheres to the tall man right to the fact that there were infinite tall men uh this yes. movie kind of like gets at all of that and it does it in a way that yeah the budget's not that high and no it doesn't look that good but are you into phantasm because this thing is delivering state-of-the-art special effects or are you into this because you're a fan of the series and you want to see more of angus Grimm? and michael baldwin and reggie banister yeah that's kind of what i'm in this for and to see jody uh redeemed because there was this aspect of part four where like you can't trust jody mm -hmm. right uh but to see jody redeemed in part five where uh there is this like um infinite number of realities and that there's a tall man from each one, but there's also a Jody from each one, right? So is this a Jody from another reality? And uh, if this is a Jody from another reality, the fact that he can still love Mike and that yeah. he can still love Reggie, like there's, there's, there's like warm fuzzies there, you know, uh, there's, there's heart here, there's soul here, there's terror here, right? Because it is scary. Yeah, um, it is scary. And what, what, one of the scariest moments I think comes from the lavender lady who is the original lavender yes. lady who fucking that aged like fine wine. 
Yes. Right. And, and she that comes scene at me is with horrifying, horrifying. Yes, absolutely horrifying that she comes down this mausoleum hallway. And I don't know where they get these fucking mausoleums from. But <laughs> I, th- I thought that through all five movies. They are the most terrifying places I've ever seen. I know that some of them are sets. I don't know if all of them are sets. Um, I know that Coscarelli mentioned that the original was based on a couple of mausoleums that he had seen, but it was in fact a set. But I, I mean, these are fucking terrifying places. Yeah. And, and, and she herself is like, she is, she's a dime piece, but she comes out and she's just fucking screeching and reaching for him. And it's fucking terrifying. And then he walks down this fucking cavern that is like just appeared and then yes. he like really and here's the other thing about reggie i gotta have respect for a guy who is so committed to the cause that when he's offered his family back he's yeah. like nah man i'm gonna fuck you up right <laughs> you know like you're like oh yeah yeah, yeah no, I, I, i'll take your deal but give me back Reggie or uh, g- give me back Mike. Give me back Jody. Because he knows yeah. that the that the tall man's full of shit, right? He's he's not falling for it. He's like, nah, man, I'm going to fuck you up and 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 you're going to find out. Yeah. And, and like uh, I also I I defy you to find a moment as touching in a horror movie as when Reggie finally gets the quad shotgun back when he's like, when he's, when he's running from the doctors and reality, you know, finally starts to bleed through and you just see Mike standing there and he like throws it and he throws it to him. And, and I mean, it's, uh, that's 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 like the horror equivalent of that scene in the rain in the notebook, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I wrote you every day, you know that that's that's Reggie <laughs> finally getting the, the, the quad shotgun back, and then just whips around and hasn't missed missed a beat, and it turns out the doctors are actually miners, and he's just smoking them, and Mike can't miss a shot, and you just get like this great like action ending and. And it was just, you're right. Like this was, uh, you, you brought up earlier, like something being, you know, is this fan service? What well, this entire movie was fan service, but it was yeah. also fan service done right and done yeah. well. And man, it's it. I, I was so ready to go into this one and be like, all right, fine. Like, let's just get this over with. Mm-hmm. But like when five finally ended, I was like, God damn. That was good. Like, that, yeah, it's enjoyable. That was a good movie. Yeah. So it, it was it was a fitting end to the franchise. And so as we look at Phantasm as a whole, the question I, I'm gonna ask for you, we we've hinted around it, but it's kind of been nebulous. I'm gonna need you to come to a conclusion now. You know, you know, I'm not even gonna ask you to rank all five. I'm just gonna say I need you to tell me which one is your favorite. My favorite, oh man, it's got to come down to one or two, but I really do love part three, or uh, I'm sorry, part <laughs> five. I really do love part five. Um, if I were going top three, it would definitely be one, two, and th- five. 
I think I gotta go the original man. The the original. Hey. I think I think it's it's the most terrifying. Uh, like it still scares me to this day. What they were able to do with uh with those special effects at that time, um, the movie ends up meaning a hell of a lot more thanks to number four. Um, the fact that the that original cast is back in part five means that the movie matters. Um. And, and and it's not like like some other movies in in other franchises where the first one kind of just um, is there to get the franchise going, you right. know, like you can watch the Friday, the 13th franchise without having seen the first one. Right. Even though it's one of the better ones. Right. Uh, you can. uh you can watch even the Chucky franchise without having seen the first one, you know, uh, there's, there's an awful lot of franchises where it's like, yeah, that kind of just starts it up. You know, I mentioned, um, fast and furious. You don't have to watch the first one, no. you know, um, this one is definitely not like that. You need to see parts one through five. And, and, and I think that first one sets the tone. It, it really, um, like it scares and, and it's funny. Like my son has continued to ask to watch the scene where Mike runs across the cemetery, fucking screaming his head off yeah. uh, because he's, he's seen, uh, he's seen a dwarf and he's interrupting Jody, uh, you know, getting lucky with the lavender lady. Right. Um, it's a really funny scene. I, I, I kind yeah. of like, I'm like, bro, we're not watching this fucking scene again. Right. <laughs> but also at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's a really fucking funny scene. So I, I gotta go part one, yeah. but if I could go two, it would be parts one and two. Very, very, very on brand for you. Yeah. And, and you know, you? and uh, dude, I'm also going to stay on brand. Look, I'm a, I'm a aliens over alien guy. I'm a yeah. T2 over Terminator guy. I'm a Godfather two over Godfather one guy. And it's, it's two for me Two had two had a lot of the elements of the first one that made it scary. Um, while just, while just having some more memorable moments. I mean, they are absolutely neck and neck. Um, but yeah, like I would probably, I'm gonna like, if I were to go three, I would go two, one, five. I mean, just, just right up there with you, but okay. yeah, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big budget. I'm a, I'm a bigger budget sequel guy, you know, <laughs> it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm a mark for that shit. So, and there ain't nothing um, wrong with that. Right. And so, but you're, you're right. It's just, it, it did it like, like I said, two just kind of took all those things, lost the dream quality, but, but re made, that's, that's when you start to realize that, that they were going to have a lot of fun with it. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. go two is my favorite. And if you could give this franchise, and we haven't talked about this, so I'm just going to spring this on you. Uh, if you could give this out of a, the whole franchise, out of a possible five boy, <laughs> uh, how many boy would you give this? Mm. So, ah, yeah, no, we didn't talk about this, so I didn't think about it. All right, so... <laughs> Man, I did. So after watching the whole franchise, like I said, I did. I did like it a lot. Like I said, my, my least favorite one, I did still like. Um, uh, because like, like I said, four, four is, four is a necessary piece. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's it's so well done and and if it had ended at four like i wouldn't i wouldn't be comfortable you know doing this but because five was such a great love letter to the franchise to the fans to the actors to everything because five presented this with the perfect bow to this franchise I'm willing to give this five boy because it's just, <laughs> it's, it's fun from beginning to end. I think it's, I also think that this is a franchise that's very approachable while the, while the, the spheres drilling into people's heads is very bloody. I would very, aside from a very few gags, I wouldn't refer to this movie as gory. There no. is, there are buckets of blood, um, but I don't think it's gory. Um, it's like I said, it's it's very approachable to the to the casual horror fan as well. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going for it, and it's a movie that always knew what it was and never. It's a franchise that always knew what it was, never tried to be anything else except for when the right thing to do was to be something else, which was become this post-apocalyptic thriller type thing. And, but that was the right move. Like that was the logical progression at that point from, from the moment we saw the first dead town in two, you knew that that's where this had to go. And like you said, like, like we both said, you know, there's 0% chance that in 79 or 88, they knew that's where they were going to end up in 2014, but they perfectly laid the groundwork for all of that stuff these all flow together. You're right. You can't watch. You, you, you can't just cherry pick one of these unless it's the first one. You you can't just be like, I'm just going to, oh, I've heard about Phantasm. Which one's the best one? No, it doesn't work that way, man. You, right. you go watch one. And if you like them, you watch them all. So, yeah, I'm going to go five boy for Phantasm. Also, what about you? I'm also going five boy. And um, for all the reasons you listed, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat them. And, uh, and, I, and I'm not going to add to them because because uh, it was perfect. Uh, but I will ask you one more thing before we finish for the night. Yeah. As this is the 50th episode, I hope we do another 50. Right. I'd love it. Um, if you could choose any one movie to do down the road, we do have movies selected. Right. So it, it's not to say it's going to happen tomorrow. Right. Because we don't record right. on Thursdays. Right. Or next week. <laughs> right. Um what movie would you say, you know, this is one that I have to record. I, I have to record a review for this episode. There needs to be sh a shiver episode of this movie. So like, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air and, and I've been kind of, kind of racking my brain, like thinking back through you know movies that we haven't done or, you know, like, and I'm trying to decide like, do I want to pick something like, you know, bizarrely obscure or you know just just something and and, and I, I've actually settled on uh, on one that I that I would really like to do um, that that is it, it checks a lot of boxes of things that that we don't do that often. Um, okay. It is a it is a foreign film. It is a thriller. It is psychological. There is a Korean film called Tale of Two Sisters. Um, hmm. that, that I was obsessed with 
um, when I went through this, I went through this phase where I was just constantly, it was like when eBay first got big and I was like, Oh my God, look at all these movies from Korea and Japan I can get. <laughs> and like, and they, they do fucked up horror. Um, yeah. but there, there's, there's, uh, there, there's a movie called a tale of two sisters. It's a Korean film that, that I love that I, I have not seen in a very long time. And, um, now after doing this podcast for, for 30 episodes and, and having this, I, I, I honestly, you know, one thing that, that thank you to you, thank you to this podcast. Thank you to everybody who listens. Something that I've developed, uh, over the course of this is this has allowed me to not just watch movies differently but to appreciate a lot more uh, about those movies and i really want to put like this mindset this set of eyes that i have on that movie and see if it holds up as something as i remember being stellar and really scary or if now it's just or if it was just like the thrill of that having something crazy that that nobody really knew about so uh, it's 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 a super weird pick, but yeah, I'm gonna go. Tale of Two Sisters is one that I really hope we get to someday. What about you? All right, uh, for me, um, there's kind of two. There's one that's um, more of a classic one that's an obvious one, and then there's one that I think is a little bit uh, more obscure, but not as obscure as yours. Uh, for the classic one, like I'm dying to do an Evil Dead Two episode. Right. Uh, and we, we did an Evil Dead episode um, with uh, with Seth where we went yes, with the Seth. original um, and, and we looked at it for the 40th anniversary. But my favorite in the series has always been Evil Dead 2. And um, it is one of my favorite horror movies. If this were a Mount Geekmore episode, uh, it would be on my mountain of horror movies. And it's it's just I I think it's one of those like perfect horror movies because it's so funny right. and it's so it's 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 terrifying and uh and and the special effects are so damn good it's it's got everything that keeps you coming back to it time and time again uh and we haven't done it you know because like I love Return of the Living Dead but we've already done that one so I can't right. say I want to do that one uh even though I do want to do it again with you so <laughs> um. Uh, the other one, which we have not done, and I would love to absolutely do a little bit more obscure. Uh, and we already talked about one of the producers today, JJ Abrams is, uh, the movie overlord, which is a, uh, a world war two zombie movie. Yes. So it's, it's kind of like this kind of weird thing where it's, it's action, it's thriller, it's horror and, uh, it's, it's it's all those things like jumbled together. Um, I would love to do that movie. That's a movie that I rewatch fairly often. Um, I want to say I watch it maybe three or four times a year um, since it came out like 2018. So I'm, I'm really familiar with the movie. Every time I watch it, I like it more and more. It's one of those movies where like you put on when you, don't know what to put on right you know uh and and it's um you, you kind of get that way when you're so familiar with a movie yeah and and i think i've gotten to that point with that movie where i just um it's i want to talk about it 
with yeah. everyone and, and and everyone. And I've never seen that one, so uh, I, I, ah. I would be excited for when we get that one around. We've got we've got one more comment from uh, I mean, who's obviously I, I doubt I'm going to offend anybody by saying this, but our top fan Frank Kowalski. I mean, been here with us <laughs> for weeks now, watching every episode. He says he gives it four out of five, boy. But he will probably change when he rewatches it without COVID. Fair enough. There's fair some, enough. There's got to yeah. be some things that you don't remember. Well, thank you for sticking with us for this extra long five movie action packed episode that was our deep dive of the entire franchise of Phantasm. This has been spectacular. Um, Dave, from the bottom of my heart, man, I love that you were that you were willing to bring this back. And and this is absolutely a highlight of mine every week. This has been spectacular. To to all everybody who's been a guest, Neri, Jeff, Ish, Seth, um, the, the people that I'm forgetting right now, you know, like I just <laughs> we've it's it's always been awesome uh this has been a ton of fun make sure that you find us on social media we are at shiver pod on everything our instagram is our most popular uh social media we mm -hmm. get a good amount of interaction there um to anybody who may be listening or watching for the first time from instagram thank you so much for the follow i'm uh, just kind of connecting with a bunch of really great horror fans also I'm loving the fact that through connecting with these people, there are people out there with just amazing collections of just horror nonsense. That's awesome. And so to everybody oh, yeah. who's constantly posting pictures of all their cool memorabilia, keep that shit rolling in on the timeline because that is just fantastic. So we appreciate everybody who's given us a follow, who gives us a shout out. This has been so much fun to do. And yeah, I hope we keep going and do another 50. So find us on all the social media at ShiverPod. Yeah. And you can also find our affiliate podcasts uh, because we are a part of the uh, Geek Bro Podcast Network. You can find our affiliate podcasts uh, at geekbro.net. Uh, you can find Mount Geek more, uh, What's Up Bro, A Dose of Ellie, Better Let Me Tell You, uh, Seasons, a TV podcast, Kick Flicks, Crimacopia. Uh, am I missing any there? I think I got them all. I think you got them all. I think yeah, so. If, if, if I didn't, you can find out which ones I missed at geekbro.net. So, Daniel, thank you so much for being here for um, – how many episodes? What's uh, what's 30 50 minus 19, 30. Yeah. Just about 30 episodes. Wow. That's a lot yeah. of them episodes. So thank <laughs> you for being here uh, and, and for putting up with my crazy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and on behalf of all of us here on shiver, a horror movie podcast, fright you very much.